Welcome to the Chad Cargill ACT Test Prep Podcast, coming to you from the Ollie Ray Ranch in Choctaw, Oklahoma. This is the podcast to help you increase ACT scores, qualify for college, and win those much-needed scholarships. We'll talk colleges, careers, and most of all, test-taking strategies and tips. I hear stories about GPAs and what students have, and so many times I hear these numbers and I just shake my head. I see posts on social media about students' GPAs, and same thing, shake my head. GPAs are a joke, and I'm going to explain to you why in this episode. Now, if you're enjoying this podcast episode, subscribe to it right now. Just hit that subscribe button in whatever app you're listening to, and that way you'll always be notified when a new episode comes out. And thank you guys so much for listening to all these episodes. The feedback I'm getting has been great, and I hope you enjoyed the QBQ episode last week with John Miller. That is a great concept that hopefully you've been applying some this week. The giveaways are still open, and the way you qualify for those, again, is just to share on your social media. You can put on your Facebook page. You can share about the podcast episode of QBQ. Just mention that in your post and tag me on it so I make sure I see that. And we have one available for a podcast review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. And if you would like to win the I Own It curriculum for your school, mention I Own It in your post. And again, just tag me on it, and that way I will see you. So uh, still going to do that for the giveaways on those, and looking forward to uh, seeing some great results in different schools of students and teachers applying that and using it. So GPAs, I always take people off guard when I say GPAs are a joke. And so I'm going to start this episode by explaining how GPAs are calculated, and I'll use some of this as a basis for why I'm going to argue these are so ridiculous. GPAs are calculated based on grades. An A gets four points, typically. A B gets three points. C, two points. D, one point. F, zero points. So in high school, these are based typically on a class. A class is considered one unit. That unit gets a grade and that gets a number value. So if you took five classes and you got A's in all five, each class would get four points. Five times four is 20 divided by five is a 4.0 GPA. When someone says that he has a 3.0 GPA, that could be all B's. It could be in a scenario might be three B's, one A and one C and those average to 3.0. When we say a 2.5 GPA, that just means that you had to have basically the same number of C's and B's. One of those could have been an A, one could have been a D. That would still get us into that 2.5 range, but that is typically how GPAs are calculated. Now, in college, they're not based on one class is one unit. In college, they're typically based on how many credit hours that class gave. So if you took a five-hour count course in college and you made a B in there, then that would be five units of B or five units of a 3.0 for GPA. And then the overall is calculated. You multiply each of those out, and then you average them to get your GPA. GPAs are then used and converted into class rank. So sometimes you'll hear, well, this student has to have a three-point GPA and be in the top half of his graduating class. 
So that means we would do the calculation for the 3.0, as I described uh, just a minute ago. But then whatever that average came to, we would look at all of the graduates in that graduating class, and we would rank them from highest GPA to lowest GPA. And if you had a 3.2, let's say, that had to be in the top half of that list. And that's how we would get a percentile. And then from there, uh, we would be able to establish a class rank. So maybe there were 100 kids in your graduating class. You had a 3.2 GPA, and that puts you at number 47. Then you would be in the top half. 47th out of 100 would be your class rank. And that would put you in what? That would be like the 53rd percentile, okay? And so that's just basically how you can convert uh, your GPAs into a class rank, which then leads to top half, top quarter, top 10%. And a lot of different scholarships or admission standards will specify where that has to be in your high school's class rank. Now let's talk about why that is important or why that is considered. That is considered because if you have a 3.5 GPA or a 3.7 GPA, but that puts you in the bottom half of your graduating class, then that means over half or 3.7 or higher. And so your 3.7, if that got you in the bottom half, then that means your GPA compared to your fellow graduates wasn't as good as half of them in that scenario. So that is why a lot of people will consider uh, doing top half, top quarter, whatever, because it gives some perspective in where that number applies to a specific high school. All right, so some schools will say, well, not all GPAs are the same. A 3.7 is not necessarily a 3.7 because one 3.7 may have taken harder classes than another student with a 3.7. So one thing that schools will do to compensate for this is they will do what's called weighted GPAs. A weighted GPA would be where a student might take an AP or an honors course, and that school decides instead of a four-point being an A, they might make that class a five-point as an A. So what happens is you take that class, and if you make an A, you get five points. You make a B, you get four points. So a four point in this honors class is the equivalent of making an A in a lower class. So for example, maybe I had the choice of taking English 4, or I could take AP English 4. So if I take English 4, and I make an A, I'm going to get four points. But if I take AP English, and they weight the GPA in this scenario, then I'm going to get five points. So we both make A's, but one GPA is considered higher than the other. That is called a weighted GPA. What happens as a result is students will graduate and say, I have a 4.3 GPA. Well, then that student applies for a scholarship, and when she applies, she says, I have a 4.3 GPA, but yet someone from a different high school says, yeah, I have a 4.0 GPA. Who's better? Well, naturally, you would say it's a 4.3. Here's the problem. If the 4.0 GPA goes to a high school who does not weight GPAs, then that student may have taken the exact same difficulty of classes as the 
but she has a 4.0 and we said it was lower when really it wasn't. So what colleges do and what scholarship committees do is they will ask many times, what is your GPA? And they'll put line slash line. In this, you would have to say 4.3. And then the question will be, what is the maximum your GPA could have been if you made A's in all of your classes, including the honors classes? Let's just say for the sake of numbers, it was a 4.5. So you put 4.3 slash 4.5. Well, the college or the scholarship committee takes 4.3 divided by 4.5. They multiply that by 4.0, and that results in a 3.82 GPA. So that 4.3 is actually lower than a 4.0. Now you say, well, that's not fair. Well, that's the way it works. That's the only way that a scholarship committee can compare a school that does not wait versus a school that waits GPAs. So that's how honors classes can kind of skew that number up. So when you hear those higher numbers, that's what they mean. Then this leads to valedictorians. So how are valedictorians calculated or named at different high schools? Well, what many don't know is that it's done differently all over. A lot of people say, well, that's the student that never made a B. Well, at some high schools, yeah, that's true. At other high schools, that's not true. At some high schools, you can make Bs and still be valedictorians. How's that even possible? Well, let's go back to my scenario of the 4.3. So if you had a 4.3 because you took honors classes, and the maximum your GPA could have been was 4.5. Some high schools will say every student above a four point is a valedictorian. Doesn't matter how many B's you made because you took honors classes and you were above a four point. Some schools will say, no, we take all of our four points and then we look at who had the toughest class load. And that student will be the valedictorians. Or they might say, we're going to take all of our 4.0s and then we're going to look at your individual grades in each class and whoever had the highest percent in those classes will be our valedictorian. So valedictorians are named a lot of different ways and some schools will use factors even beyond what I just mentioned. Then you will go, like especially here in Oklahoma, when you go to um, state tournaments, for example, you will see a team will be named the state champion, like the basketball state champion. But then they'll call out another basketball team and they'll name that team the basketball academic state champion. Well, how is that calculated? That is calculated based on the player's average GPA. So they take the average GPA and they declare this is the team that had the highest GPA. They are the academic state champions. So there is a background on GPAs, kind of how they're calculated, how they're viewed. And now I'm going to start busting this with all kinds of problems. Let me start with this one. I asked a vice president of admissions for a major university. I said, look, we both know GPAs are crazy. We both know there's no like common ground on this. Everyone does it differently. And I said, how do you view GPAs? And he just responded, not equally. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, if a student graduates from this high school and he named a high school, he said, I know that that student could have a lower GPA, but that student is probably much more ready for college, much more sound than a student from, and he named another high school who has a higher GPA. And he said, we know that. And I said, well, how do you, how do you handle that though? Because you know, your requirements have a specific number. Like 
for this scholarship, you got to have a 3.0 GPA. And he was just explaining that they try to put them low enough that they can get everyone in that window that they think would, you know, be someone they would want to consider. And then they look at the applications individually to decide winners. But he said, we don't look at a number and just say, oh, this student is better because we know that GPAs are not equal. I was in college at Oklahoma State, and I remember one day I was in one of my classes and my professor came in and he was really upset. And one of the students was, you know, like, you know, what's going on? You know, what, what, you know, uh, we tell something's going on. And he was so mad and he just went off on this rant. And he said, listen, he said, the head of my department just called me in and he told me that I'm giving too many A's and B's. And he said, I told him, if the students earn an A or B in my course, am I not supposed to give it? And he, he said, the head of the department said, you are hurting our reputation. He said, we have a reputation for low GPAs, really hard grading, and you are hurting it. You must lower your grades. He said, give more C's and D's. And our, my professor said, he told him, well, what if they don't earn a C or D? He said, lower your scale. You're giving too many A's and B's. And see, this really bothers me because... Like, for example, when I was in engineering school at Oklahoma State, in industrial engineering, I had to keep a 3.2 GPA to keep my scholarship. If I dropped below a 3.20 GPA, I went on probation, then I lost my scholarship. Well, in industrial engineering school at Oklahoma State, the average graduate was 2.70. And I had to keep 3.2. But yet, you could go to the next major over one that maybe wasn't as technical as engineering and the average GPA for a graduate would be 3.4. So I was being held to a standard university-wide that wasn't relative to the major. And then I have heads trying to say, lower your grading scale. And I'm, scram I'm doing everything I can to keep my 3.2 GPA. And I'm telling you, it was hard for me. I'm not lying now. I was on a mission to graduate in eight semesters. They told me when I came in, it was a five-year five program. And I said, well, I'm graduating in eight semesters. And back then, we didn't have all the concurrent stuff. Matter of fact, I had to take a class that didn't even count toward my major. Uh, so I, I had that behind. Uh, luckily, I got one science class that my CLEP hours applied to. So basically, I'm having to go through an eight semester. I took one summer class to help with this. But I had one semester. I had 22 hours. I remember when I signed up for that semester, I had to get special permission to even enroll. They wouldn't let me enroll. They said it was too many hours. I had to have my advisor sign a form saying I could do it. I took 21 two semesters. I took 19 a semester. I mean, it was a lot of hours. and I, But I, I was trying to keep a 3.2 GPA. So how did I do on that? Well, my last semester, I dropped below 3.2. I get put on probation. And then um, luckily, though, I only had one semester left. And so I wasn't going to lose my scholarship. If I would have had to go back for another year, I would have lost my scholarship. So GPAs obviously are not equal across disciplines. I knew one high school that if you got a B, one B, you were not in the top quarter of your graduating class. So then I just say, my gosh, what happens if you apply for a scholarship that says you have to be in the top quarter? The dude got one B. This is ridiculous. That's not a good measure. One high school, I remember this was several years back. There's one high school I was working with a student. And at his high school, if you had two or less unexcused absences in a semester, whatever your semester grade was that went on your transcript, calculated GPA, they bumped it a letter grade. You can make a C in the course, but if you had two or less unexcused absences, they made that C a B. 
Now, I know initially a lot of listeners are going to go, that's ridiculous. How can a school do that? That's just, that's so stupid. Well, listen, it, if you were the uh, leader of that school, you might understand it. It was important to try to get those kids in class. And that was good motivation to help them get there. So whether it was right or wrong, or we agree with it or disagree with it, that was the policy. But again, I go to, now you're going to compare that student to another high school? I mean, that high school doesn't bump a grade for everyone who attends at less than three unexcused absences in a semester. But yet we're going to try to compare this. So it's just crazy to me. So what is my conclusion about why GPAs are a joke? When I ran a foundation for almost a decade, and by the end of that process of running that uh, scholarship committees that I was on or that I advised, I I would tell committees, I would say, listen, um, I'm not going to be part of this if GPA is part of your grading criteria. I won't do it. Because I said, it's ridiculous. You've invalidated your committee right now. That is not measured the same. It's not calculated the same. And I said, GPA should have no bearing on a scholarship app. It's ridiculous. I don't even want to know what it is. There's no, uh, what do you say, just a, a relativeness or there's no uh, objectiveness to a GPA calculation. It means absolutely nothing. This whole academic champions for sports is the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. I don't care if your team won. I really don't. I, it's just stupid. I mean, how are we comparing GPAs of 10 girls from one high school to 10 girls from another high school? Nobody, the the schools aren't calculating them the same. It's not the same courses. It's not the same difficulty. Many times not on the same scale. Student population is really advanced. And so they're making it much harder to get those grades. How are we calculating that? Are you telling me that's equal? There's no way. It makes no sense. They should not give that. Now I've been asked by administrators because I've been public about this in the past Administrator said, well, then how should we, how should we give that? Or how should we calculate it? And my answer is I don't have the answer. I just know it shouldn't be given the way it is. I wouldn't give it at all unless I came up with something better. And I don't know what that is. Can't just use class rank out of it. You can't say, well, calculus over here is the same as calculus over there. I have no idea. But to say that we're going to compare GPAs, just 10 random people from different high school, that doesn't even make sense. I don't think you can do it. My last conclusion on this is... You need to take hard classes in high school. Take hard classes. I get asked all the time about this. If I take an AP class, I may lower my GPA. Listen, you need to take the AP class. Take the hardest classes they offer. Why? Well, if your goal is to to raise ACT scores and if your goal is to prepare for college, don't shy away from them. Go for it. You say, well, what if I make a B? Well, what, what if you do? GPA shouldn't matter anyway. And if they matter, it should be a whole lot less than they really do. So I don't want you to shy away from tough classes. I want you to take hard classes, even at the expense of a GPA. Now you go, now, wait a minute. I've got to have the valedictorian scholarship to get to college. Okay. Well, I I mean, I understand that, uh, that, you know, that certainly is something you've got to consider. There is a lot of money at stake. Oklahoma state, for example, they used to give eight grand for valedictorians. They eliminated the valedictorian scholarship. Well, to me, that makes perfect sense, but other schools still have it. Other schools are going to give big money for valedictorians. So yeah, that may, be an, that may be an issue. I don't know. I wish they wouldn't do that. I wish they would give it based on character. I wish they'd do it based on an interview. That's why scholarships should never be given unless there's an interview. I don't care about GPAs. I care about who they are. I care about what they're going to accomplish. All right? And I know we're an ACT prep podcast here, and, and ACTs are, that's the argument. They go, well, that's the one objective thing. Everybody takes the same test. Everybody has a chance to get the same score. And as much as we don't like that, that is the truth. And that's one reason why ACTs are so valued. I just say, okay, if that's the way it's going to work, it's time to go get busy on ACTs. 
and we got to get our scores up and we got to make sure that ACT is high enough that I'm not going to get penalized because I might have a slightly lower GPA than the next guy. Again, I would take hard classes. I would take as many as you can, and I would get prepared for college. I, I think that's important. The harder class is going to help you with your ACTs. Don't shy away from that fourth year of math. You need that fourth year of math. That's going to really help you. That's going to help you keep speaking the language of math. And yeah, you go, oh, but it's going to make it difficult. Or, oh, my GPA might drop. Listen, man, it's way more important that you have that higher ACT score than that .05 GPA increase or decrease. So, Take those hard classes. Let's get that going. And then the last thing to address is the core GPA versus non-core. And so the core GPA is where they're looking at your English, your math, your histories, those, those fundamental like core classes. And so a lot of students think, well, instead of taking that math class my senior year, I'm going to take you know, that extra PE, that extra office aid or whatever, and they actually give you a grade for office aid. Yeah, that is not going to calculate into your core GPA. Some of those fluff classes, they don't calculate into that core GPA. And so that's why a lot of things like the NCA Eligibility Center only uses core GPA. That's why some will even specify what is your core GPA versus non-core, and your counseling office can get that for you as well. So go ahead and take those hard classes. Don't try to play the game on the fluff classes because I think that'll end up biting you in the end. Well, again, that's a little bit of a controversial one because so many love their GPAs and and love their academic state champions and all that, but it's just not equal. And I don't know the answer on how to make it equal. I just think GPAs are a joke. I don't know what else to tell you. And yes, I want you to work hard and get high GPAs. I think that's important. I held my kids to a high standard. I think parents out there, you should hold yours to a high standard. But just know you got to keep it in perspective, especially when you're comparing among schools. I know, again, that's kind of crazy, but certainly that is the way I feel. I hope that you guys are continuing to read, 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 read. That is so important. And as I've said a hundred times on here, don't try to read 30 minutes a day if you hate to read. Just read a little bit. Read a little bit every day. If you do that, you read about things that you love, that you're interested in. I think it can really help you. I've read some great books recently. I did Whatever You Do, Don't Run by Peter Allison. He was a safari driver in Africa. And so I read his about crazy things people did and crazy things he did on safaris. It was awesome. I read Dog Company by Patrick K. O'Donnell. World War II, Army Rangers, Dog Company. Unbelievable, man. These guys were just such heroes. It's just incredible what they did. Let's see, I read Andrew Jackson in the Battle of New Orleans from the Battle of 1812 by Brian Kilmeade. He's one of my favorite authors. Brian Kilmeade, man, he does some amazing work. Washington's Secret Six, one of my all-time favorites. It was awesome. I'm doing this one periodically, History's Greatest Voyages. It's by a professor, and I'm not even going to try to say his name. I would never get it right. It's just some of his lectures about different voyages, different explorers. So I'm doing a little bit of that as I go. I've done some some of those in the past. Lectures by professors are good. And then I will finish tomorrow, No Time Like the Future by Michael J. Fox. I'm reading that because I'm a big Michael J. Fox fan. I love Back to the Future. It's like the greatest movie. It's one of those that when it comes on, I can't turn it on anything else. You have to, there's certain movies and you see it's on, you have to click on it and you just got to watch for just a minute. And Back to the Futures are like some of my great favorite of all time. I'm uh, listening to his book about his battle with Parkinson's disease and I uh, love it. You can go to scholarships.chadcargo.com. A little window appears says where to send it. If you put your email, hit submit, you'll receive a PDF document of the scholarship 
app resource that I put together for you. It'll give you a lot of those great keys on what you should put on your scholarship applications, about projects. It'll show you how to word it, the whole thing. So go to scholarships.checkroger.com, get that. And that way you're putting together great applications that aren't necessarily dependent upon a GPA number being higher than someone else's. You can also go to testday.checkroger.com. And that is a free resource I put together to give you the must know list, the things you must know the day you go to your ACT. And that'll just be a good bulleted item list. You can say, all right, do I know a dash? Do I know the rule for dash? Do I know the four indefinite pronouns that are always plural and so forth? So you can go again to testday.checkcargo.com to get that resource. Again, all my classes are posted on calendar.checkcargo.com. You can also order my prep book online. Uh, right there on the site and get speed reading as well. I appreciate all of you who joined again this week. I will be back with you and hopefully you'll be able to join again. I will talk to you soon.